Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Music and Vibes Podcast. I am your host, Kiana W. Mitchell. Well, guys, I hope that you have all enjoyed your three-day holiday weekend and that you did something fun. Like, it could have been something small, like maybe eating in the backyard, eating on your porch, talking on the phone to a friend you haven't seen in ages. I mean, it could be anything. But if it was something that you enjoy doing, then that is all that counts. I spent my weekend pretty much doing my daughter's hair, and watching movies and eating snacks with them. Like, that's pretty much what we did. I tried to do their hair since we've been in quarantine. I haven't really been taking them to the salon. We haven't been doing any of those things that we normally do. So I have had to learn how to do hair. So my girls have three of them. They are ages um, 14, 13, and 11. So they like to get their hair braided. And I'll try to take a picture if I remember and post it on Facebook and Instagram about what braids look like. But they like to have their hair braided. Now, braids take a long, long time to do. And it's time-consuming. And I can see why people charge lots of money to braid someone's hair. Because you have to literally go through the whole hair, part it off, section it off, and then put braids on each section that you part off. So it takes a lot of time. And my kids have a lot of hair. So this can take a very long time to do. Now, before, I remember, I think it was last year... When I first tried to do braids, previously I was taking my kids to my friend's house and she would do their hair. But since I was so busy with work and everything else that was going on, I honestly didn't have a time to constantly like take them to my friend's house and then pick them up and do all that other stuff. So it was just easier for me, to be honest, just to say, I need to learn how to do this. I've got to figure it out. So what I did, I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I went to the store, bought some hair. And then I sat my youngest daughter down because she was my guinea pig. She was the only one who was like, Mom, you can braid my hair. So I sat her down and I braided her hair. Now, it looked all right. You know, it wasn't, how can I put it? It wasn't terrible. It also wasn't very good. But it wasn't terrible. And it was during the summer. So it's not like she was in school. So nobody had to see her hairstyle. So I did it. It was okay. My friend came over that day and she's like Kiana her hair looks really nice I was like oh thanks my first time but I don't think it was that good so I did that then after I took him out she wanted it done again so I did it again and I noticed that each time I did it I got better and better and better each video I watched I understood more and more how to do it so here we are a year in and I'm not only able to braid my daughter's hair I'm also able to braid my own hair because since I have been in quarantine I have not gone to the salon I have not gotten a perm, and so I have put braids in my hair. Now, I did give myself a perm, and I think it looks okay, but it's just one of those things where I am now used to not having to comb my hair or do anything to it, because you put the braids in, you put a rag on, at night you sleep, take it off, you don't have to do anything. Like, I don't even know where my combs are. I only look for them when I have to comb my hair or actually braid hair again but for the most part I don't have to really touch my hair except to put like hairspray or shine on it so I love these hairstyles they are so low maintenance they're protective so they protect my hair without me having to constantly doing them my hair has grown which is amazing and so 
I'm just in love with the braids look. So I've been doing that. And so I can even braid my own hair now. And when I finish, it actually looks nice. And I hate this. I mean, I have to say it does because I've been watching tons of videos. I've been educating myself at the school of YouTube. And so I have learned a lot about braiding hair. So that is what I did this whole weekend. And it was fun because I'm not as slow as I used to be. It used to take me a day, a whole day to do my kids hair. And the first time I did it, it took me like half the night and then half the next day. Now it doesn't take so long. I can do it within, I'd say two, three hours. And it depends on how big or small you want them. So if I'm doing like jumbo braids, I can do my own hair in like an hour and a half. If I'm doing the smaller braids, it'll take me maybe three hours. If I'm doing like the micro ones, it'll take like three hours or so. If I am doing um, medium braids, I say give me two hours. Now, it just depends when it comes to my kids because they don't always comb their hair very good. And they're older, so I'm trying to let them do that, take responsibility and comb their hair and brush their hair. But they're not doing a very good job because they, it's like if their hair starts to hurt when they're combing it, they won't comb out the knots. I'm just like, girls... You have to comb out your hair. Like, it may hurt, but you have to comb it completely out. So that's pretty much where I am with this. But it just depends. If they comb it out really well, it doesn't take a long time to part their hair. If they don't comb their hair out very well, then I have to comb it out. Then I have to part the hair. So it can take longer. So give or take, with the kids, it takes five hours or less. I always try to get in the less part, but it just depends, give or take, how long it will take to do their hair. But that's what I did this weekend. It was a lot of fun because when I do their hair, each kid's hair that I'm doing, I let them pick the show that they want to watch. So we watch movies together, we talk, we have fun, we laugh. And it's a way for me to spend like quality time with each individual kid. Because normally, we're always together. They're always around me, all three of them. But when I do their hair, the other kids go in the room and do what they want to do. And it's just like me with that one kid. So it was fun. I had a great time. So yeah, I like it. Now, since we haven't been, since we all have been in quarantine, I know I've been encouraging you guys to make the most of it and to do something. And I still am saying the same thing today. Like, I was not good at braiding, but now I'm better. So I think, like, when we come out of this period, we should be able to have a skill or a hobby or something that we picked up or learned during quarantine. Think about it like this. We can think about this in two ways. One way could be like, Oh my goodness, I can't believe we're in quarantine. We've been in quarantine for so long. Because still in Alabama, they have the Safer at Home initiative, which is like, if you have to go out, then go out. But if not, stay at home. So, there you go. They have this until October. Yeah. And we're in September. So we still have, by the time we finished, we would have been in quarantine for like seven months. <laughs> or something like that. But, during this seven months that I have been in quarantine, one thing I refuse to do is feel bad for myself or get frustrated with it yeah it's frustrating at times but I understand why we're doing this and I refuse to just sit here and not do anything like think about it these are seven months that you're not going to get back seven months where you have the opportunity to learn something new to do something new try a passion or something that you always wanted to do have a passion project I mean whatever it was that you wanted to do this was the time to do it because you were encouraged to stay home so you had lots of time to get things done. Some of you had time off from work because of it, so you could get things done. This is like once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us to sit down and actually focus on our craft, 
hone our crafts, learn things that we haven't learned before, and pick up new hobbies and skills. So my goal for 2020 is not to come out of this quarantine the same person I went in. I want to come out a better person. I want to come out having more hobbies, working on my business, working on my careers and and goals. You know, I want to come out better than when I went in. So I encourage you, you still have maybe a few more months. Well, I don't know how long we're all going to be in quarantine. But whenever we get out, make it your prerogative or make it your desire or make it your goal, your aspiration to come out of quarantine doing something that you didn't do before, learning something new that you didn't learn before, and just being a better version of you than you were when you went in. Alright, so guys, if there's anything you want to talk to me about, it could be anything, something that you learned during quarantine, an idea that you have, anything that you want to talk about, or anything that you want to do, or anything that you like to discuss, or even anything, anything simple you like to share with me, then just go over to our Facebook page and send me a message. I would love to hear from you. Today on the podcast, I would like to talk about what you should do if you are in a verbally abusive relationship. Many times in life and in our relationships, we all find ourselves in situations that we never quite thought we would ever find ourselves in. Like, I remember a time when I would always talk and say what I would do if I were a parent. For example, I would be at church and I hear these kids crying in the background and I'd be like, man, if that was my kid... I would do this, or I would do that, or I would tell my kid, be quiet, or I would do this. And I remember saying this kind of stuff, and it's crazy, because you don't know what it's like to deal with children until you have them. So, I remember seeing a young mother dealing with a rebellious two-year-old, and I remember seeing parents dealing with a rebellious teenager, and from the outside looking in, the situation was easy for me. I'd be like, dude, that was my teenage son or whatever, or my teenage daughter, I would kick them out. Or I would do this, or I would put them in their place, and you don't talk to me like that, or I would do this, or whatever. And with the little kids, I'd be like, that kid would be right in timeout, or they would not get a snack. Or I would say, if it was really bad, I'd be like, or I would pop their little bottoms, you know. For all you people who do believe in corporal punishment, I would say that too. So, you know, it was just like a lot of things that I would say, and I would make judgments, and I would just say all kinds of stuff about what I would do if I were in that situation. That was before I had kids. Okay, so let's fast forward a few years. And then I had kids. And let's just say this. My kids did not end up in timeout like I thought they would. And no, I did not spank my kids like I said I would. And yes, my kids ended up running the house like I said they would not. But you see my point. It's easy to say what we would or would not do in a situation when we are not in that situation. And I think the same thing is true for victims of domestic uh, domestic violence. Now... I am sure no one says when they're kids, when I grow up, I want to be in an abusive relationship. Nobody says that. But there are a lot of men and women who find themselves in both physically and verbally abusive situations and relationships. Now, it's easy to say things like, well, they should have seen that coming. But so many times, the victims of domestic violence don't recognize the signs until it's too late. And then by that time, they are like, caught up in a relationship, they're invested emotionally, their heart's all in it, and it's just hard for them to know what to do or even how to get out because they're too far and too caught up in a relationship. Or they could just be too afraid to leave the relationship. 
Not only does domestic violence take a toll on the victim physically, but it also takes a toll on the victim emotionally. The sad thing about domestic violence is that it is hidden from family and friends and people who can actually help until after it's too late because so many times the abuser will try to do things to keep the victim away from people who can help them. Now, in these type of relationships, there are things that should be done and there's a way you should try to help a person who is dealing with domestic violence. And so what I'm going to do, since today we're just going to be talking about verbal abuse because that is something that people don't always see and I want you to be aware of it and to recognize the signs and know what you should do if you find yourself in that situation or if you have a friend who's in a situation like that. So what I'm going to do is I'm thinking that what I will probably do is this Friday just do a little Facebook Live talking about domestic violence and then some of the ways you can help someone who is in a domestic violence situation or relationship. So I plan to do that this Friday on Facebook Live. I will just write on Facebook the time that I plan to do it. I'm not sure of the time yet, but I do plan to do it. So just check Facebook for updates. Go to our page to see when I plan to do the Facebook Live on domestic violence, but I will do that this week so we can talk about it because this is such an important topic. I think we should discuss both verbal abuse and domestic violence. And I don't have enough time in this one episode to discuss both of these things. However, I do want to cover them both this week. So I'm just going to do one in the Facebook Live on Friday. And then today we're going to talk about verbal abuse. Now, verbal abuse is often suffered in silence and sometimes it just falls under the radar and it goes unnoticed because unlike domestic violence, you're not going to see a bruise and you're not going to see scars. But these people have bruises and scars on the inside. Their self-esteem is being hurt and torn down. And there are a lot of things that are being done that you just can't see. So, what is the difference between verbal abuse and normal conflict? Here it is. If you notice that your partner is making threats, that is a sign of verbal abuse. If they're resorting to name calling, frequent yelling, starting fights over every little thing, ridiculing or shaming you, making you feel unsafe, blaming you for arguments, acting punitively when you're alone and avoiding it when other people are around. So that just means they treat you one way when you're by yourself. They should be condescending, screaming, hollering, calling you names, putting you down. All those things when you're alone. But when you're in front of other people, they're not going to do that. They can try to guilt trip you and victimize themselves like, oh, you did this and it's your fault I'm in this situation and make themselves seem like the victim and make it seem like you're the bad person. They can cause yourself confidence to drastically decrease. Now, although conflict is unavoidable, how much conflict there is in a relationship can just go to show and point out how close you are to a verbal abusive situation. Not everyone has conflict. I mean, in my marriage, there are times when we have conflict. But the point in conflict is like, you have to find what is the problem. Because remember, you are not fighting each other. You are fighting the problem. So conflict shouldn't make me call my husband names because he's not the problem. The problem is the thing that we are having a discussion about and not him. So we should attack the problem together and not attack each other. So that is the difference between regular conflict where you're working on a problem, you're figuring it out, and verbal abuse. And another thing is I know sometimes couples may say things that they don't mean to each other and hurt each other's feelings. But if this is something that just happens once in a while, 
you can be like, okay, this is not verbal abuse. They're just in the heat of the moment. We're both upset. We said things we shouldn't have said. But if it, this is something that's constantly happening, something that is done to strategically tear you down and make you feel less of a person, then that is verbal abuse. Now, the goal of a verbally abusive spouse or partner is to control you. And they do this by making you smell by making you feel small, they do this by decreasing your confidence, and then usually in conflict, they will do things to make you feel really bad, like emotional attacks toward you. So they don't just say mean things, they go deep. They want to hurt you. They want to really control you and make you feel as if you are nothing. So what are signs of a verbally abusive relationship? Well, guys, it's like this. If you are in a relationship and you are walking on eggshells all the time because you are afraid that your partner is going to say something mean to you or you're trying to avoid potential fights because you know it's just going to make you feel frustrated, um, if you're trying to avoid disappointing your partner because you notice that every little thing you do makes him or her get upset or angry or feel or make you feel less than a person, then yeah, that is a sign that you're dealing with a verbally abusive relationship. If there is name calling and ridicule, that is another sign that you are in a verbally abusive relationship. And this is continual, it's constant, it's not something like, oh, someone is teasing you, you know, all of us have times where our spouse teases about something or we can joke about something, but no, this is not that. This is your partner doing things and calling you names because they want to hurt you. And then when you call them out on it, they're like, oh, you misunderstood. That's not what I meant. And by saying that they're minimizing your feelings and making you feel as if, oh, you're just being too sensitive. It shouldn't have bothered you. Inappropriate and hurtful jokes. Those are ways that is also a sign of you being in a verbally abusive relationship. Now, it's okay for you guys to make jokes and have fun with each other. But when the jokes become hurtful, when the jokes become harmful, when the jokes are always at your expense, then it's not funny. And that is a way that a verbally abusive partner can get to you because they're doing things on a regular basis that's putting you down. And so inappropriate jokes and hurtful jokes are ways that they can use to control and keep you down. Condescending conversational tones. Now, I'm not talking about like sarcastic tone of voice because sometimes I'm sarcastic, but it's rather a constant tone when they interact with you. So it's not like every now and then they're being sarcastic or making a joke. It's like they're constantly belittling you. They constantly make you feel bad. Like, they may say a joke in a sarcastic way, but you're the butt of the joke. And in this joke, you feel belittled. You feel as if you don't know anything. They can also use demeaning comments about your beliefs, your religion, your race, or in general, like, inappropriate aspects of who you are. A partner that respects you is not going to do this. But in a verbally abusive relationship, your partner is just not willing to understand how it makes you feel or stop. There can be verbal criticism about every little thing that you do, like nothing you do is right. These are other ways that they can use to control you. And over time, you will start to notice that it seems like nothing you can do can ever please them. And that will make you feel as if you can't do anything right. So this can have a significant impact on your self-esteem. Humiliating comments. 
Now, abuse is often used humiliation as a way to make you feel bad about yourself. They try to degrade the image you have of yourself until you feel deficient. Because they know that if you are confident and you feel good about yourself, then they can't control you. Because think about it. You cannot control a person who's confident about themselves because they know who they are. They don't feel as if they need to be controlled and they're not going to fall and stand for certain things and they will expect you to treat them a certain way. But if you can tear a person down, if you can bring down their self-esteem and degrade the image of what they think about themselves, then you can control them. It's all about control. It's all about mind games. And this is what the humiliating comments can do to an individual who's in a verbally abusive relationship. Threats and accusations is something else. Have you ever felt unsafe at some point in your relationship? Now, a lot of people will say no, and some people could say yes. Now, maybe your partner has not ever hit you, but maybe they've punched a wall when things got heated, or they've thrown things. It's not uncommon in an emotionally abusive relationship for a partner to expect gratitude for being able to control their temper and not hurt you. Which is crazy because you are supposed to be able to do that anyway. So you shouldn't get kudos for controlling your temper. You're you're a grown-up. You should control your temper. But they'll feel as if, oh, well, they may say something like, I was so mad I had to hit the wall instead of hitting you. Like, that is a sign that you are in a verbally abusive relationship because they're kind of saying that, you know, I could have hit you. I could have did this to you, but I didn't. So that is a sign that you're in a verbally abusive relationship. And this could lead you to question your actions and to feel cornered. Another sign is that they're always blaming you. Everything you do is your fault. And if you try to talk to them about something, about your feelings or how their actions make you feel, they'll throw it back at you and blame you. They attempt to distribute all the guilt to you and portray themselves as the victim. They can be skilled in twisting and manipulating reality to fit this image of themselves as the sufferer. So this is something else that you have to be aware of in a verbally abusive relationship. There's also lots of yelling and screaming. This is one clear-cut sign of a verbally abusive relationship. Now, as such, abusers might not use it in the very beginning. Furthermore, if they have a slip and they yell, they're usually sophisticated enough to portray it as a one-time thing or a result of some major stress they're going through. But if there's constantly yelling and screaming in your relationship and it's all directed at you, this is one clear-cut sign that you are in a verbally abusive relationship. Another one that you would never expect is silent treatment. So here's what happens. So it's like if they can't control you any other way, if nothing else works, abusers might try to ignore you. So when they attempt to control you have failed, they will withhold compensation, they'll withhold affection, they'll withhold sex or money, etc. They'll do anything that will make you do as they wish. So they'll take things away from you to try to make it uncomfortable enough for you so that you will do what they want you to do. So they'll refuse to communicate. They won't look you in the eye or spend time with you in the same room. And this can be one of the ways employed that they will make you try harder and push you into the choice that they want you to make. Discounting your emotions and your opinions. Now in healthy relationships, you feel understood and you feel heard. And in healthy relationships, if there's a problem and you're not feeling understood and you're not feeling heard, you can talk to your partner about it. And then they will do what they need to do to try to help you to feel understood and heard. Support is one of the elements that you're not going to get in a verbally abusive relationship. So when you try to share 
with your partner, how you feel, or talk to them in ways to help them understand your feelings or your thoughts, they might criticize you. They might call you sensitive or childish or convince you that what you're going through is no big deal. The abuser is denying you your inner reality and trying to persuade you that what you think or feel is wrong. And we all know that it's not true. You can't say that someone's feelings are wrong or negate them or minimize them because they have a right to their feelings and it's up to us to try to understand them. And one thing I always tell people, you don't get to tell people if they, you don't get to tell people how they should feel if they're hurt. So if someone is hurt or feels a certain way, you can't tell them how they should feel. What you should do is listen to what they're saying and try to do your best to accommodate them and to help them work through these issues. Another thing an abuser might do in a verbally abusive relationship is manipulate you. Now, sometimes it can be easy to spot a controlling person. However, the more experience they have and the more wrapped up in their attempts they become, it makes it harder to recognize manipulation. Now, manipulation is an attempt to get you to do something without requesting it directly or ordering it. So do you, if you're feeling pushed and like you have no control over your own decision, then you might be an abusive, you may be in a verbally abusive relationship. Abusers are skilled at making you feel like what they intended was your idea and is for the best, when it may not even be. It's just their way of manipulating you to feel that way. Repetitive arguments. Now, you might find yourself surprised at how easy it is to provoke an argument and wondering what you did this time. Now, whenever an, an opportunity appears, your partner is going to use it to disagree with you or to start a fight. In healthy relationships, partners disagree on many topics. However, that doesn't always escalate into a fight, which is true. Now, my husband and I, we are different people. We have different ideas. We have different thoughts. And we don't always agree on the same things. We don't always agree on parenting. We don't always agree on a lot of things. But the things that we don't agree on don't always spark arguments because we've accepted, okay, this is my husband. This is what he thinks. This is how he thinks it should be. Fine. This is Kiana. This is how she feels. This is how she thinks it should be. Fine. And we find a common ground so that we can come together and be united so everything that you disagree about does not have to be an argument and most healthy relationships will try to avoid arguing because you don't want to have that negative tension in your relationship however in a verbally abusive relationship there's just no acceptance of different opinions so this will lead to fighting that will leave you tired and drained because it's not just one argument you may fight all the time about the same things constantly without your partner being willing to compromise or see things from your point of view if you find yourself apologizing all the time yes then you could be in a verbally abusive relationship now apologizing first there's nothing wrong with that there are times when i have apologized for my reaction to a certain situation but if you are finding yourself all the time being the one to apologize, because even though I do apologize for things, my husband apologizes for things too. So it's equal. It's give or take. We both try to recognize when we did something wrong and apologize for our actions or the way we reacted. However, if you are the only person being blamed for everything all the time, and you're the only person always apologizing all the time, and your partner makes no effort to ever apologize or to take responsibility for their actions then 
you might be in an abusive relationship especially if you don't even know what you did wrong this time you're just apologizing because you don't want things to escalate that is another sign that you could be in an verbally abusive relationship and another thing that could happen is that your partner may emphasize your weakness and your flaws now here's the thing in most relationships most partners want to encourage you to be your best so they're not going to sit up here and emphasize all your weaknesses and flaws what they may do is make suggestions on how things can be better or improved or they may point out something but when they point it out it's not in a way to hurt you it's just in a way to say well i've noticed such and such and such and you're really smart you're able to do this it may be in a way to encourage you most people want to encourage their spouse or their partner and not tear them down however if you are in a verbally abusive relationship it's different because why would you encourage someone when you know that encouragement can build their confidence and if you build their confidence you can't control them so what they'll do they'll like do it the other way around so what they'll do instead of encouraging you they'll emphasize your weaknesses and instead of telling you you can do it they'll like really make you think about your flaws and why you can't do something and the more you begin to trust their opinion the more grateful you become that they're staying with you because you're so messed up and you have so many problems and you have so many flaws and then you're not even taking time to see how good you are because they've convinced you that you're so messed up and that you're lucky that they're even with you and this is their way of controlling you and manipulating you to keep you in a situation and to do what they want you to do so now that we know what a verbally abusive relationship looks like how do you deal with a verbally abusive relationship well there are several ways to deal with a verbally abusive relationship the first thing is that you can decide what boundaries you want to set and be firm about them but this is going to be challenging and you might want to get some kind of social support to help you in this process because remember they want to control you so they're not even trying to hear your boundaries because they're too busy trying to control you so but it's important for you to set these boundaries because if you don't set these boundaries then you're not going to stop this behavior and it's going to continue and if you set the boundaries there's going to be some resistance but you're letting them know "Uh, uh-uh, i'm not going to do this this is what is going to be done another thing you can do is try to understand if the abuser is willing to work on their behavior now you can't change them you can only support their decision to change but they have to be willing to work on their behavior and you have to be careful because they're manipulators so they can manipulate you into thinking that they want to change but they really don't but this is something that you can do to work this out if they're willing to work on their behavior then you can support that decision and try to hold them accountable to make sure that they try to change the behavior you can ask yourself what are the circumstances that you would be willing to stay in a relationship because think about it being in a verbally abusive relationship is just as toxic and dangerous to your mental health and well-being as it is is if you were in a physically abusive relationship because even though they're not beating you physically they're beating you mentally and they're tearing you down and i find that emotional trauma is so much worse now physical abuse is terrible you should definitely leave i would say in a physically abusive relationship if you are in one of those get out plan an escape you've got to go you can't stay there and i sometimes you know i think the same way if you're in a physical if you're in the 
verbally abusive relationship, your mental health can't take this. You've got to go. But if you are trying to work it out and you want to stay, then you have to ask yourself, under what circumstance am I willing to stay? What would have to change? What would have to happen to make me stay and try to work this out? Now, be mindful of your boundaries and what the relationship should be like to be happy and healthy. So if you decide to stay, if you decide to stay, set a limit to the amount of time you want to give the abuser to show that they are changing. Like, if you decide to stay, don't say, well, I'm going to give you two years. If you don't change in two years, then I'm going to go. No, it should not be that. Maybe it should be a month. You should see some results. A couple months. Or maybe you should leave, work things out from a distance and see how that works out. Now, if they are willing to work on themselves and they, you guys should probably consider going to couple therapy or a marriage counselor. And you also need to think that um, what, of whether you want to stay in the same living space with them while they're working on their issues. Because working in, on yourself takes time. Changing yourself takes time. So do you want to be in the same verbally abusive environment while this person's trying to work on themselves where you may not see results as quickly as you need to or the results may not happen as quickly as your mental health needs them to happen so they're constantly tearing you down emotionally do you really want to stay with them while they are working on themselves or do you want to let them have the space to work on themselves and separate from them let them work on themselves while you are in a healthy place because think about it while they are working on themselves you need to work on yourself too and I don't think that it's possible for you to work on yourself in a toxic environment with someone who's being verbally abusive so that's also something you'll want to think about if this is what you want to do now if you just see that this is just not going to work out and that you can't stop the verbal abuse in the marriage then consider the safest way to leave and the steps that you need to take. So take the time to process the less what would be less painful for you to prepare in advance so that you can make an exit plan and you can go. Trust your instinct, okay? Since the abusive relationship is not abusive from the start, trust your gut. If you think something is wrong, be cautious and notice the subtle red flags. Knowing the signs of verbal abuse can help you identify it and react on time before it has a damaging effect on your psychological health. Keep in mind what a healthy relationship should be like. So have something to mirror it by, like maybe a friend's relationship or your parents' relationship. Any relationship that you deem to be healthy and thriving, you should look at that to be your model. And then if your relationship is not there, and you see it's abusive, then you just need to get out. If you recognize that your partner is trying to manipulate you, humiliate you, blame you, or make you feel guilty, you should observe it. You should observe if other signs are present too. Because these may just be the beginning signs, the surface signs, but other signs will come. Now, if both of you are willing to work on improving the situation, then surround yourself with a support system and consider seeing a therapist. I always say see a therapist because they can help you. And they can also help you recognize behaviors that maybe you would not have remembered. Remember, to thoroughly be sure they're open to change or if their agreement to change is just a way to manipulate you, you have to decide whether you want to end it or if you want to invest in the process of preparation. And then examine 
what you need to do to get out. Like I always say, visualize what a relate what your life will look like with them and without them. And if it seems happier without them, take that, do that. But you have to do what's best for you. Don't get cornered in by, oh, I want to stay in this relationship because my kids need this. Your kids don't need to see you verbally abused. They don't need to see you abused in any way. They need to see a strong parent. They need to see you at your best. And you can't be at your best with someone who's tearing you down. So it's just a decision that you have to make. I'm not going to, and I will also say, do what's best for you and your family. And when I say do what's best for you, do what's best for you emotionally, do what's best for you mentally, do what's best for you with your self-esteem, just do what's best for you. It's okay to be a little selfish in these types of situations because you have to be okay and you have to take care of you. So just remember to look out for these signs, know what to do if this happens, and like I say, see a therapist or a counselor so that someone can help you through this difficult time and let you know and give you ideas of maybe and I think another good thing to see a counselor is because they can help you figure out like what is it that is keeping you here if you don't want to leave or what you need to do to leave so that is what you need to do if you are in a verbally abusive relationship remember verbally abusive relationships it may not be visible to the naked eye and people may not always see the signs because this is something that's usually kept indoors and nobody really sees this but it's just as damaging to you and to your emotional health and to your emotional welfare and well-being if you continue to stay in this kind of relationship. And listen, sometimes verbally abusive relationships escalate to domestic violence. So you should take this as serious as you would a person who is in a relationship that has domestic violence. Alright, well the song we are going to play today is called Walk Away. And it talks about a woman who's in... A domestic violence situation who and it also could be used for someone who's in a verbally abusive relationship to let them you guys know it's okay to walk away you don't have to hold on to something that's hurting you that it's okay to walk away so here's the song walk away he hits you almost every day you're so afraid of what he'll say you try your best to smile but your efforts are not enough there's always something you did wrong left the light on or you forgot to call he tears down your self-esteem till you forgot you were a queen the light on or you forgot to call 
podcast i would like to take this time just to say thank you thank you thank you to our sponsor better help h-e-l-p now better help is an online counseling service that helps people who are dealing with issues or it could be individual or it could be um, marital issues and they do counseling the thing that i love about better help is that they can assist you with your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist you can start communicating in under 48 hours. So if you guys are in a situation where you and your spouse really need to talk to someone right now and you can't wait a week or so to get an appointment, better help. You go, you sign up, and they will match you with someone in under 48 hours. Even if you just want to talk to someone by yourself so that you can be the best you that you can be and bring out the best in your partner, then better help is the place to go. So you can start communication in under 48 hours. Now this is not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's a real professional counseling done securely online. There is a broad range of expertise available which may not be available locally, but they are available online. So even if you need a type of counseling or expertise that's not available in your local area, that's fine. You can still get it at better help. The services are available for clients worldwide, which is a plus. So if you're listening in England or China or the United States, you can still get help and services from BetterHelp. You can log into your account anytime, send a message to your counselor, and you will get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. So you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own home or go wait in an uncomfortable waiting room, which is amazing because with everything that's going on with the pandemic, it's just easier to do things online. So you can set that up where you can have phone calls, counseling sessions, or video calls. And that is what you can do if, and you can schedule weekly sessions, which I think is amazing. BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so that it's going to be easy and free for you if you see that you and a counselor maybe are not clicking or don't working out, you can always change your counselor if you need to. And it is free. 
BetterHelp is also more affordable than traditional online counseling. And financial aid is available, which is great because so many times we don't take care of our mental health. We don't take care of ourselves because we feel like we don't have the money to do it or we don't have the time. Well, BetterHelp is making it easy for you because you can have the time now to get the counseling or help that you need. Financial Finances are not even an issue because they have financial aid and it is very affordable which is a plus since a lot of people are experiencing financial issues during this time. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And that is also the goal and the aim and the purpose of the Music and Vibes podcast. Like we want you to have a better life, a better quality of life. I want you guys to live your best life and BetterHelp wants that for you as well. So if you need help living your best life, BetterHelp is the place to go. So what you can do is visit their website and you can sign up. Now BetterHelp is working with Music and Vibes. So what they have done for us is that we have a link. And if you click on that link and put in our promo code Music and Vibes Podcast, then you will get 10% off your first month, which is amazing. So guys, you have no excuses to sign up and get this help. So what I will do is put the link to better help in the show notes along with the promo code so that you can get 10% off your first month of better help i also want to just take some time to say guys thank you thank you thank you for taking the time to listen today thank you for being here with me today i truly enjoy it and i always love spending time with you and just hanging out so thank you for listening now if today i know that you know somebody who could benefit from this episode so here's what i want you to do I want you to share this podcast with them about bringing out the best in their partner or in their spouse. So just go and share this episode with them. And if you have not already subscribed, make sure to go check out our website. And at the top of the page is a subscribe button. So you can just hit that and you can subscribe to the show. I think that is everything, guys. Um, I can't think of anything else I need to tell you. But if you can think of something you want to talk to me about or tell me about, please feel free to contact me on the Facebook page for the Music and Vibes podcast. I can be found on Instagram, Facebook. Um, oh, yeah, so you can also send us an email. However you want to contact us is fine. And I promise you, if you send me a message, I will respond and send a message back to you. All right. Well, guys, it was nice hanging out with you this week. And until next week, enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the rest of your day and live life to the fullest. All right. Bye-bye.